Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Market 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, I'm Trevor Allen, Head of Sustainability Research at Market 360. Today I'm joined by Sumati Samavoy Jain, Sustainability Research Analyst on our team. Extreme weather events, which have severely impacted different regions of the world and challenged our access to essential resources, such as food and water, are an important reminder that transition is not only about carbon reduction, but also about preserving biodiversity. Join us today as we explore the challenges we all face around biodiversity loss and how we can start to try to reverse this course. It is Wednesday morning here in London, the 14th of September, 2022. Sumati, it seems we are depleting our natural resources at a faster rate in which we are actually regenerating them. It seems market failures may also be at play here. Could you explain the economics behind it and what is being done to spark a reversal? Thank you, Trevor. Indeed, we can perceive nature as the sum of different natural assets. We're talking minerals, soils, water, and more. And all these provide vital services to us, such as regulating the climate, or providing food and medicines and more. But contrary to other economic assets, these are not priced nor quantified in our typical GDP measures. They are essentially silent and invisible to us, as rightly described by the economist Sardas Gupta. But yet our health and prosperity depend entirely on them. In reality, they are worth 50% of our global GDP, As we all know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. The payment is currently done in loss and damage over time, as we lose our pollinators essential for crops, for example. Now you may think, why will we see change? Well, to directly address this pricing issue, the UN has developed a statistical framework to measure nature's contribution, hoping that it'll be adopted by at least 60 countries by 2025. Such natural capital accounting will in turn revolutionize the way a nation's wealth is measured and help better target public policies towards the areas in need. In fact, the EU has already conducted a pilot exercise and taken some steps to reduce pressures on nature by, for example, making binding some pesticide use reduction targets for the agricultural sector. Change also needs to come bottom up i.e. from corporates. More and more companies will be pushed to measure and disclose data related to their dependency and pressures on nature through regulations and increased investor scrutiny. This is accompanied by huge improvements in biodiversity-related data, from geospatial monitoring to the analysis of organisms versus invasives in the soils and waters. So there is a shift happening, and with any period of change, risks and opportunities emerge. Samati, your concept of underpricing is interesting. I'm curious, where is the investment gap most felt, and where could we get the greatest multiplication effect? The annual investment needed to end biodiversity loss is estimated at just below 1 trillion US dollars. 
According to the Paulson Institute, the single most efficient measure would be reforming harmful subsidies, especially in the agricultural sector, where 87% is deemed harmful by the UN. So the biggest change will need to come from policymakers and regulators. And this, in turn, will push corporates to comply. This could spur developments in the sustainable bond market via wider use of proceeds of green bonds, especially once the EU taxonomy expands the technical screening criteria, a higher take-up of blue bonds, once aimed at ocean conservations, and more biodiversity KPIs of sustainability-linked bonds. But nature-related projects remain a behavioral change for a lot of sectors and might not be as capex-intensive as reducing carbon emissions, for example. We shouldn't forget the differentiation between different parts of the world. We spoke of a global investment gap, but funds are especially needed in biodiversity hotspots, i.e. areas of high concentration of species varieties. And most are located in emerging markets. Yet emerging markets face higher yields and are most at threat of credit rating downgrades given their vulnerability to natural disasters for those same reasons. They are less likely to obtain the needed funds via traditional financial channels. This calls for collective action. Indeed, developed economies are dependent on the biodiversity present in others through trade, example timber, soy, palm oil, etc. This also calls for innovative financial instruments such as debt for nature swaps or bonds issued by multinational development banks that guarantee a certain share of the debt. You mentioned the agricultural sector a few times. Why is it such an area of focus? And what are the innovations starting to arise to really address biodiversity loss? On top of contributing to greenhouse gas emissions, it's also most land and water intensive. It accounts for 50% of global habitable land and 70% of fresh water withdrawals. Opportunities arise from the adoption of more nature-friendly human diets, precision farming techniques to reduce the use of fertilizers, pesticides, water, and antibiotics, wider adoption of technological solutions such as digital farming platform or vertical farming techniques, and alternative animal feeds. And of course, such advances need to be accompanied by greater transparency along corporate value chains, with the ability to trace back end products to the first seed planted, and more awareness amongst the investor base in order to prompt greater portfolio allocation towards companies best placed to support biodiversity. However, the assessment of a company's impact on nature shouldn't stop at the agricultural sector, Extractive industries such as mining can also have acute impacts on the local ecosystems, especially relevant in today's move towards renewables and the need of metals for electric vehicles. Appropriate screenings should also be applied in other industries such as fashion, metals and more in terms of raw material sourcing, waste management, water use, use of toxic chemicals, thus linking to other key ESG areas such as promoting a circular economy. Thank you, Samadhi, for joining me today and thank you for listening.
This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation or any form of advice from BNP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.